Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yes, Marina, New Zealand, good morning to you all. And that is our big news of the day. And uh, really can't top it with any kind of sermon, can you? Uh, SENZ, the Sports Entertainment Network, uh, we continue to try and demonstrate the commitment to uh, delivering unparalleled sports coverage to New Zealanders by securing highly coveted radio broadcasts rights for the upcoming 2023 Rugby World Cup. Can't wait. Uh, we shall have uh, live commentary, pre- and post-match analysis, expert insights and exclusive interviews with players and coaches. We'll have uh, someone on the ground over there and uh, working overtime to make sure that uh, your um, in-depth knowledge of the World Cup is brought to you as well. And uh, we'll be increasing that with our commentary team. It is just uh, such superb news, our biggest coup so far. Without doubt, and Hutchie behind the scenes and the uh, SEN uh, team uh, in Australia and in New Zealand working overtime to uh, get more and more, it seems, uh, every week. Recent announcement, the Ashes, uh, the World Test Championship final, and now uh, the Rugby World Cup. Doesn't get much bigger than that, I think it's fair to say. It does not. So uh, we're really, really happy, really happy to announce that to you today. Yesterday the big news broke that uh, after a decade as uh, New Zealand Cricket's Chief Executive, David White is set to step down from that role in August. It uh, begs the question what happens next, uh, what is the way forward for New Zealand Cricket and uh, what is the current situation with New Zealand Cricket? Well, to help us get a better understanding of uh, what's going on at, uh, HO, at HO and Head Office is uh, the Board Chairman, Martin Snedden. Good morning to you, Martin. Morning, Smitty. Yeah, long time, a long time. Um, first of all, uh, before we get on to um, the, to David White and uh, what's uh, happening uh, at uh, headquarters, I, I just wonder if um, we'd have a, a passing thought for Lindsay Crocker, who uh, sadly uh, lost his battle um, with illness uh, earlier in the week. Yeah, uh, was really sad, too young to die. Uh, someone who uh, had a lifetime involvement in cricket as a player, um, and then administration as chief executive of Auckland Cricket and then moving into New Zealand Cricket, firstly managing the Black Caps for six years and then on to uh, a key role in, in cricket operations. Um, a really good innovator. He's, um, you know, people won't remember, but he was right at the forefront of drop-in pitches being introduced and trialled in, in New Zealand. Uh, at a time where we were using uh, our, our major venues were both catering for rugby and cricket and obviously with professional rugby the seasons were starting earlier and earlier so 
um, you know, he was right at the front of that, and, it's, and, and that's just the norm now. The really good drop-in pitches enable so much more flexibility for venue use. We then extended that into, we had this conundrum of how do we enable our best players to be able to train right through um, the year in, in suitable conditions, and we started, under his leadership, we started trialling uh, marquees during winter. He did marquees where uh, the players could, could train on grass, but uh, inside a marquee in temperature-controlled environments, and that technology was pretty rough and ready at the start, but over the years has developed into something uh, spectacularly good, and we're now in a position where we are rapidly building these all-weather training facilities right around New Zealand. Yep, a very familiar face around uh, New Zealand cricket circles, and um, yeah, he'll be sadly missed, there's no doubt about it. Um, and I, I think, uh, coincidentally, uh, I think he might have even opened the batting for, for at, on the odd occasion or batted with David White, um, the CEO of New Zealand Cricket, who announced yesterday that um, he would be resigning and uh, walking away from his post in August. Was that uh, big news for you, or did you, uh, did you see that coming? Well, um, Whitey had been there for 12 years, and it's a, it's a tough gig. You know, you have... Uh, there's no there's no downtime. Um, the business of cricket is 12 months a year, 24/7 really, and uh, and so the intrusion on your own personal life is huge. But um, the guys that are doing that, and he's an example, have great resilience. But there comes a time where you feel like uh, you've you've done as much as you can do, and it's time to um, move out. Now I think the great thing he, he came down. I didn't I didn't um, guess that it was this soon, I, I knew that it would probably happen sometime in the next year or two but he, he rang up on Monday and he said I want to come down and, and talk to you about something and I sort of guessed something was up so he came on down and um, you know it, he looked happy, he looked really um, relaxed um, and he said to me you know I've thought this through, I've talked it through with my family, uh, it's the right time, I want to go out um, when things are good uh, and uh, I'm not staying too long and uh, where the organisation is well set up for the future. And and so, you know, I think, Smee, I think it's a great thing. It's, whether you're a, an administrator or a coach or a player, um, as you and I know, we've seen it with sometimes um, where people have stayed on a bit too long and sometimes at the end it doesn't work out well for them and that impacts on, on how they reflect back on their time. And I think he's done a right thing. He's going out on top and he'll have great memories of his time with New Zealand cricket for the rest of his life. He, and cricket will have a really fond yeah, memory of what he did. Yeah, you're right. Uh, in terms of uh, on the field success, I mean, unparalleled time when you look at uh, if you set the bar at uh, World Test Championships and World Cup finals, etc., um, he's, he's presided over a pretty damn good era on the field. Yeah. I mean, who, you and I know, but 20 years ago, 30 years ago, if we, we'd been talking about it and said, oh, we could be the World Test Champions, we'd be in um, the 50-over World Cup Finals twice in a row, we'd be in the T20 World Cup Final, we'd, be, uh, we'd have moments during that six or seven years where we were ranked number one in each of those formats, where we were consistently in the top three or four of those formats, we will look at each other and said, oh, that's probably a little bit out of New Zealand's uh, 
reach, but actually it, it's come true. And and uh, obviously a lot of that is because of the quality of the players and the support staff immediately around them. Um, but it's also because of the strength of the high-performance base that's been established next to them and and uh, that's enabled them to shine. And, and David's responsibility isn't just for uh, overseeing the players, but it's also about that high-performance um, platform. And, you know, that's one of his great successes is that he's made that strong. And um, and as a result, we've seen the results. And, it, and whilst a, a lot of the focus originally was on the men's side of the game, that's now extending well into the female side of the game. And so that same support base has been built up there. We're a few years behind on the women's side in terms of player depth. But uh, with what we're putting in place under his leadership, that's, that's going to come. So in terms of uh, women's cricket, um, you're satisfied then? Uh, obviously quite a lot of investment going into it. Um, you're satisfied that you will get the return on investment? Yeah, it's, it's not a, uh, an immediate fix. You know, we, we, in 2016, the board and David called in uh, an independent person, Sarah Beeman, to have a look at it and, uh, and effectively lay bare uh, a pretty average sort of engagement that cricket was having with women and girls and our motivation for doing that one was to um, understand the truth of the matter and secondly was to put it right out there and to light a fire that the cricket network could not ignore and then set to fixing things and so you know over the last six years there's been a raft of things that we have been doing from the governance of the game through to high performance through to uh, the community game that have been growing and growing the strength of the female platform. I was just looking at the um, census figures for girls playing cricket um, from last year to this year and we've had a jump of 2,000 kids that are playing cricket. I imagine that the successful delivery of the Women's World Cup a year ago was probably a help there but it, it, it's just another sign that we are growing that base because the, the reality is we can't expect the white ferns uh, to put it with England, Australia and India unless in the first instance we develop a playing base that enables talent to be secured and then gradually developed through a pipeline to the point where they're capable of stepping on the field for the white ferns and, and fronting up against those guys. So, um, you know, whilst we'll have individual successes in the, in the bronze medal that the White Ferns achieved in Birmingham last year was amazing, but but you know the, to to achieve consistent success, you've got to have a a really strong pipeline of talented players supported by good uh, um, support, and you know that that's getting that's getting um, better and better each year, and I think as a long term proposition, we're in a pretty good state. Snitz, uh, what do what are your numbers? What are what are your figures telling you about um, the male side of the game? Young um, young lads playing cricket, etc. Uh, are those numbers good? We hear stories that perhaps uh, it's being rivaled by sports like basketball, cricket. Um, you know, because of the time, etc. Um, it's a much more competitive market than it used to be uh, 10, 15 years ago. Uh, what about the, the the state of it from a male perspective? So uh, the reality is that. Sports like basketball, um, football, uh, even volleyball, funnily enough, are smashing it at school level. They're, you know, it, those. I think the basketball is, is benefiting enormously from the exposure of 
to the NBA in America and, and just the attractiveness and the ease and flexibility of how kids can participate. Um, and football's a simple game. You don't need, you know, this sort of equipment. It, there's all sorts of um, impediments sometimes to kids participating in cricket that don't exist in those. And so they're doing a really good job of growing participation. They're miles ahead of us in terms of numbers. So what we've got to do is concentrate on what we're offering the kids and make it, uh, understand what they want and try and mould, adapt our offerings to what um, is acceptable to them while still uh, retaining this as cricket as a game. And we've been doing that for about four or five years really intensely. Now the, the census figures are each year, or COVID got right in the way of this, but if we just for the second put COVID aside, each year we're going up two, three, four percent in numbers. Now, that's not a lot in an individual year, but if you manage to do that over five, six, ten years, then that's actually a lot of kids. Um, now, to do that, we um, things that that you know, you and I, as we when we were kids, we'd play in whites, we're playing eleven aside, we'd we'd be there for the day. Um, we've had to create other formats of the game that are shorter, faster, that enable more participation from all of the players on the team as opposed to one or two star players. So there's had to be some adjustment to the to the game formats and the rules, etc., to enable that. But the feedback we're getting is that it is working. Um, you know, it's not going gangbusters, but it's going solidly upwards. So we'll just stick with it. And again, I just feel that, um, that that's creating um, a good health for the game. But, but also... It's also really good that kids are involved in other sports. You you know, primarily you want kids to be active and out there enjoying sport. I want them as many as possible to play cricket. But but I love the fact that kids are out there trying their hand at football or or basketball or whatever. And that's really healthy. That's good. And and the skills that they learn doing that are transferable. So that you know, there is there is kids moving across sports all of the time and we've just got to be smart enough to, to keep enticing them into cricket um, as they go through their, their lives. Martin, one of, you, you mentioned before exposure uh, on television of the NBA being one of the great influences for kids in that regard. In terms of uh, cricket coverage uh, in New Zealand, and this is something we get coming into uh, the station a lot through text or whatever um, and David obviously was uh, part of this decision although I would imagine when you look to change a, a deal like a television uh, coverage etc that uh, has got to be board ratified isn't it it's not, it's not just on the CEO I mean that's quite a big decision so that's been one of the big um, talking points uh, going to Spark and now of course we hear Spark is, uh, is finishing up so where does that leave New Zealand cricket going forward on uh, television and radio? Yeah, so um, first point up is absolutely a board decision. The, the chief executive's job with something that big is to put the board in a position to discuss and ultimately make a decision. The chief executive doesn't make that decision by himself or herself. Um, so the whole board takes responsibility for that. Um, we went. We, we had reached a stage, and, and Smithy, remember, you know, um, you know, you were a spark, uh, Sky for a long time, you know circumstances, um, where we felt that um, our exclusivity with Sky was, um, whilst it was really good for the subscribers of Sky, um, it wasn't good for overall accessibility of the population to cricket. So 
um, we decided that uh, when the, the opportunity arose that um, we would ask our future broadcasting partners um, to come up with a vision as to how they could use what, what strengths they had but at the same time enable us to have much greater accessibility to uh, wider ranges of, of the New Zealand population and, and in particular um, how they would uh, uh, enable a partnership with free-to-air TV. Um, Sky and Spark were obviously the key contenders for this. Um, Spark came up with two things that were more attractive to us in the circumstance. One was uh, a free-to-air partnership with Television New Zealand, TVNZ. Um, and the second one was the nature of the streaming platform we thought was indicative of where the future was going and um, we needed to make a start on that. We knew, we knew there was risks involved, yes. Um, we have heard uh, what people have had to say over the years, but um, the reality is that, that most of the population is adapting to um, the changing technologies that, that exist in this area and are getting much more used to streaming and uh, almost a pay-as-you-go where you choose what it is that you want to watch on what platforms you watch. The, the beauty of the TVNZ connection was that firstly we were able to get a significant amount of uh, international and domestic male and female cricket onto free-to-wear and so we were starting to open up um, uh, the opportunity for people to look at cricket um, that previously had been cut off for a long time. And then secondly, um, when Spark decided that um, the experiment that they were trying hadn't hadn't worked sufficiently for them to continue. Um, it meant that we had uh, uh, immediate access to um, another partner who was able to straight away pick it up. And, and this is such an interesting area now over the next three years. I think we're the only sport in New Zealand that is on free-to-wear um, continuously. TVNZ are just, just finishing off arrangements now for how they're going to show all of the cricket. But all of our um, international cricket, a lot of our, all of our domestic T20 cricket, male and female, is going to be on free-to-air platforms. And, um, and we know uh, from past experience that the audience sizes watching uh, on those platforms are, are four, five, six times what we would get on either Spark or, or Sky. So we're, we're really now starting to look at how we take the opportunity and make the best of it over the next three years that TVNZ will be doing that. I think it's it's really exciting, uh, it, but it does put a challenge on us to take advantage of it. Um, Spark also, by virtue of being on a streaming platform, opened up opportunities for us overseas that we pre previously hadn't had as easy access to, and that's resulted in us being able to um, uh, access other markets that we just simply wouldn't wouldn't be able to get into. Easily and, and just as a small example of this, um, uh, if, if you know, if I were to say to you, what are the top ranked over uh, international markets that were purchasing our cricket rights, and to say to you that USA was about number four on that, you'd look at me and say, how does that happen? Well, it happens because you you have a platform that you can send your cricket overseas on, and it's easy for them to grab hold of it and use it, and so. You know, there have been all sorts of advantages to this. It's been a market disruptor. We've seen Sky lift its game considerably in the last, um, since the period that we 
that we took on Spark, and they've done some great stuff too. So, you know, it, I think overall it, it's a good thing, but I do um, understand that it hasn't hasn't been well accepted by a portion of those people who love cricket. Mm. Okay, that's uh, cool. Uh, filling us in on on that information, um, interesting indeed. Um, just in, back to the the CEO role then. So uh, you're on the look uh, straight away. Um, uh, what kind of person does it does it has to be a person who knows the game uh, very very well? I mean, if you look at all the previous uh, CEOs, with the exception perhaps of Christopher Doig, all have uh, been international cricketers. Uh, what kind of portfolio um, are you going to put forward, or what kind of portfolio does someone have to have coming forward, male, female, etc.? The, the the dimensions have changed a lot. Yeah. So um, David's still with us until early August um, and there's some critical things that, that he and we will achieve during that time and he'll leave us with a really solid base um, going forward. Um, we'll start a professional recruitment process in June and um, I would anticipate we'll probably uh, be in a position to make an appointment late July, early August. Um, if it's an external candidate then it's likely that it'll, there'll be a lag of, say, three months before that person can come on board. We've got a we've got a strong senior management team that'll be able to look after the business uh, during that time. The person we're looking for uh, is one that suits the future pace of cricket, um, not just in a playing sense but also in a in a business sense. So you know when we're running the business of the game, um, it cricket takes up quite a lot of time, but so does broadcasting, so does commercial uh, exploitation, so does relationships at an international level with the ICC and with uh, the members of the ICC um, so there's, a, there's a, a lot of different things, we also know that in a fast changing world leadership of an organisation has to understand how that change, what change is happening and recognise the opportunities the risks and opportunities that exist in that sort of changing stuff, so it's got to be someone that's smart enough uh, to take care of that um, do they have to have what you and I would recognise as being um, uh, the sort of uh, cricket pedigree that David, that Justin Vaughan, maybe me have had before? Um, it's a good thing to have. I think if you if you're going to have um, devote your life as a CEO has to do uh, to this, then it helps enormously if you have an ingrained love of the game. But um, it is also um, if you have a love of sport, then that goes a long way in itself. So it doesn't doesn't absolutely have to be um, cricket specific. But I think we'd be looking for someone who, who absolutely shines uh, their passion for for sport, and hopefully cricket's a significant part of that. Um, in this day and age, it's gender is irrelevant. We'll choose the best person, be that male or female. Um, and as, as you and I have seen, um, there are uh, female leaders rising in sport, not just in New Zealand, but internationally. Um, we would like to choose a New Zealander, but we won't confine our search to um, New Zealand. Uh, the reality is, if in the end, the best candidate is someone who's internationally based, then OK, um, you know, that may well work. There's a lot. Whenever you bring in someone from outside of New Zealand, there are... There are advantages, but there are also disadvantages. So you've got to weigh that up really carefully before you you put someone into our environment. Um, there are plenty of examples of it not working 
um, as well. So we just have to carefully pick our way through um, mm-hmm. all of that. I think the, str- the growing strength of the organisation, um, the stability of the game and the job that David has done has meant that we're not going to lack for really good candidates putting their hands up for this job. Um, I think what we'll be looking for is someone who's got the absolute best fit um, with our game and our business. Um, and, uh, you know, if we if we manage to do that, that uh, selection process well, then um, uh, New Zealand cricket and the game in New Zealand will be able to kick on. Martin Sneddon. Thank you very much uh, for uh, all that information. It was absolutely outstanding. Uh, thanks for your time this morning. Hope the family are uh, all uh, safe and well. And uh, we'll talk again shortly. Cheers, man. Thank you. Thank you, Smitty. Cheers. Uh, Martin Sneddon there, CEO of New Zealand Cricket. With, uh, I hope a lot of answers for you uh, listening in here. It's 9.27 here on SENZ. Good app. Right, the first leg uh, of the UEFA Champions League semi-finals wrapped up this morning uh, following uh, AC uh, Milan and Inter with uh, Inter winning uh, 2-0, 75,000 people at San Siro. Uh, Yesterday, uh, Kevin De Bruyne uh, with uh, a spectacular equaliser in the 67th minute uh, saw Manchester City draw one all with Real Madrid and uh, that is a great result for them. Uh, joining us now uh, is former All White Noel Barclay, who uh, on, is no doubt buzzing over that uh, Milan derby this morning. We'll have watched it without doubt. Noel, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, pleasure, Smithy. And yeah, I'm, I'm buzzing. I mean, it was a completely different game to yesterday because the whole style of the teams is different. A Milan derby with um, in, in the in the San Siro. I've been in that stadium with seventy thousand. It's just absolutely madness. And um, because Milan, obviously, it was their home game, and they get 90% of the tickets, and, and really didn't turn up in the first half. But yeah, frenetic, frenetic game, passion, um, and just a completely different game compared to yesterday, which was much, much more controlled. Very fast start from Inter. Really fast start. Caught them napping. What two inside the first 11 minutes? Yeah, and um, I mean two two amazing goals, but um, you could see that the um, Milan players weren't tracking. Um, they were a little bit six and sevens at the back. Um, really, I, in, in my mind, they should have had a penalty, and, and that's controversial in itself to say that. But uh, happy to explain it, and could have gone three 0 up, and then in the second half had chances. Jekyll had another good chance. Should have used his right foot, could have gone 4 0 up, and then the tie's over. But of course, we get to the situation now. Milan um, fought back a little bit in the second half, um, kept it 2 0, and at that point, the game's still alive. You know, they score one goal next week, they get Rafael Leal fit, and he's absolutely critical to them. Without, without him, I, mean, they don't, I don't think they got a chance, and um, they're back in it. But um, right now, Inter would be pretty happy. They would be pretty happy because, of course, it's not like uh, you know they don't know where they're going next. I mean, they, uh, this unique situation where they share the stadium. So, uh, basically, it's all about uh, the revenue as opposed to the venue. Yeah, and I mean, for them, really, they've done they've done the hard yards. They had seven thousand tickets to the game. Um, incidentally, a game that could have sold out twenty six times, um, according to reports. 
Um, and next week, um, Inter fans get 90% of the tickets. So, you know, they'll be making the noise this time around. And, uh, and Milan will be, you know, will be, you know, doing their very best and not having much of a shout in the sidelines. But like, look, this tie's not over. Um, if we get Leal fit and, um, and they come back next week. The other thing is that both, both teams have got challenges at the minute in, in the Italian league, and they're both still trying to get top four in Champions League next year. So it's not like they can rest anybody on the weekend. They've still got to keep going and, and hope that um, you know they can, Milan can turn it over or, or they both get in the top four next year, which is sort of looking sort of doubtful at the minute for both of them. Noel, uh, what have you? Uh, what did you make of yesterday's one uh, where Manchester uh, Manchester City came back uh, under Pep Guardiola at this stage last year? Real Madrid knocked them out, um, so one 0 up, and all of a sudden this uh, this brilliant strike from Kevin De Bruyne, who's having a hell of a season, um, levels the scores. They take back uh, they take back home one one. Like I mentioned, Smitty at the start, I mean you couldn't have got a different. Completely two different games. So the possession style of Man City and Real Madrid on the counter attack, but also possession based team, keep the ball patient, move the ball around at a much slower pace. Today was just you know first half was just just frenetic teams just going for it, tackling and chart tackles and so on. So completely different game, different styles of team. Um, you know probably should have been the final. Um, and the Italian teams have had it pretty tough for the last decade, so for them both to get their semi-finals pretty unique. Um, but yet, yes, yesterday was—it's probably a fair result. Um, I think most people would say. I'm, I'm a Manchester fan, so I'm always hoping for for, for uh, <laughs> Madrid to get through. Again, VAR was pretty controversial yesterday. It's pretty clear now that there was a ball out of play and that wasn't picked up before the Man City goal. And um, you know, there's a lot of controversy around that. And again, like today, VAR—you know—the referee. He gave a penalty. There was contact. The VAR can't intervene, but they did, and the ref bought it. So yeah, VAR VAR had a place in both games, but I think um, looking forward, Man City um, definitely got the edge in the second half. There at home, Haaland didn't really get a sniff yesterday. I think at home it's going to be a bit easier for him. The crowd will get behind him, um, but don't don't put it past Madrid to get um, get three with Vinicius Junior and, and Benzema and so on. I mean anything can happen. Um, so it's probably still a 50-50 of ice. At this point, I still see City just, just shading it and then clearly, clearly enter in the other legs. Um, and a big final in, 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 in Istanbul. Istanbul of all places, yeah. What an amazing venue that will be. Um, I, I just gleaned from your comments there about VAR. I, I just wonder, is VAR a success from your point of view? I mean, we, know, we move on with technology, etc. Is Overall, would you say the game's better or better without? For me, it's better without um, because sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. To, yesterday didn't work. Today didn't work. And, and probably that's not going to change the results in, the, in those games. But when it does in a game where you know there's just massive prestige financially and for the players and, and their legacies and so on, and to get it wrong in a game, in those sort of games, it's just it's a farce. Um, the problem with the whole penalty rule now, any anybody that gets in the box, they just if they can't see the goal, they just hit, they, they just shoot direct into the player, and hope that he puts his hand out slightly, and then you know you get a penalty. I mean, it's just crazy. They've got to got to try and rework that rule because players now are just sort of trying to play for penalties um, when there's lots of defenders in there. So look, for for me, no, I think the game was um, easier um, when it wasn't involved. 
Uh, I think they could make adjustments to it. They could change the penalty rule and um, and um, maybe maybe talk to the supporters at the games and tell people what's going on. And um, because we're all sat and waiting here for a referee for VAR to make a decision um, and overrule the referee, and we don't really know why because we see on the TV that it looks completely the opposite. So yeah, look con- yeah. controversial, um, and I don't think it's really helped the game. Yeah, I, I'm with you actually. I, I'm I'm the same. I, I think the uh, I'm like a, that with rugby as well, and to, with cricket to a great degree. The the more help you give these officials, the uh, less effective and the less efficient they are at the the job at hand. I I feel anyway. But that's that's another argument for another day. Of interest yesterday was that uh, Rail were able to keep uh, Erling Haaland uh, off the score sheet. But what have you made of this season from this guy who's a, an absolute beast of a man, but converts at the same time? Uh, incredible. I mean, uh, you know, you, you you can't ignore 51 goals. Um, looks like he's going to get to 60. I think Ronaldo got 61 year, um, but in the Premier League, you know, he's broken. He's going to break the record and um, kick on from Alan Shearer's record. Yeah, in, incredible. And and yeah, if you've been watching him the last few weeks, he's actually missed the bundle. He missed about four against Leeds last week, and really he could have been 65 hitting 70. I mean, it's that, it's that, he's just that difficult to handle. Rudiger did a very good job on him yesterday. Um, big, strong guy, sort of very experienced, and he, he basically outplayed him yesterday. But, you know, you, you give that guy an inch, and he will just smash it into the net. He, he's lethal in the air. He's quick, strong. Um, he's just a total package, and, and I would say he's probably... The, the number one bet for Ballon d'Or this year. I can't see anybody else to touch him. No, it's of interest. Manchester City's um, championship, you, you feel to lose now in England? Uh, I think it's over. I mean, I think at Everton this week, um, they, they just rolling past teams at the minute. I, I, I still think that they've got an easy easier run in than Arsenal um, and they've obviously got a point advantage and a game in hand so I, I don't see any change there obviously the FA Cup is of interest to me because it's a chance for, for, for Man United to stop them getting this elusive treble and um, you know a Champions League final they've been there before and, and the nerves got the better of them so there, there's a way to go but I think Champions definitely Probably the, the cup final at Wembley is going to probably be a tough one for United, given their injuries and, and, and the number of games. And Champions League, well, this, this is the best opportunity they'll ever have. You know, I mean, they're going to have an Italian team that you know, which are a different class in terms of themselves and, and the likes of Madrid. So, yeah, it could be, could all be very glorious for them or, or not. It could uh, either uh, or not. And, and the other thing of, of immense interest in the EPL, and uh, we're finding it fascinating almost on a daily basis because uh, there seems to be games almost every day of the week, uh, is the bottom of the table. It, it is a fascinating scenario this year. Well, Smith, I've been trying to explain to my wife the reason why there's football every day, and, and the reason is the World Cup. You know, because we had the we had the month or six weeks break, and of course, you know, we have to get this domino effect now, where there's basically football on the TV every morning, which is not going down very mm. well. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the bottom the bottom stuff's really intriguing. I Man, I you sort of change every day. I mean, if, if you look at if you look at the games that um, Everton, Leicester City, and and um, Leeds have. Um, they're all really tough, you know. I mean, Everton have got Man City this week. Uh, Leeds have got Newcastle, you know, and everybody's got something to play for. Um, I mean, the result last week by Everton to beat 
Brighton early in the week was just incredible. Um, so yeah, look, I still think Leeds, Leeds are the ones that's going to go down, um, and, and probably Leicester. Uh, Leicester got Liverpool this week. So I mean, every, the, the, the games at those bottom, those three teams at risk have got. I mean, Southampton's gone, um, but you've obviously got you know two from the other four. Um, Forest probably just made a point, um, but you could you couldn't pick it at the minute because Leicester could go and beat Liverpool this weekend um, mm. because they probably need to. Very exciting. It's an amazing. Mate, it is very exciting, um, as is the, the Champions League. Uh, Noah, thanks very much for your insight there. Um, I can't wait for uh, the second legs um, and uh, just see if, uh, you know, as you say, uh, these, uh, this game, particularly with Manchester City, I think against Real Madrid is an absolutely fascinating mix-up. I think um, uh, the Inter probably, I think, uh, will get through on the other side of it, but uh, I'm not sure about um, the, the side that's going to go back to Manchester. Uh, um Great to catch up, Noel. Uh, keep enjoying the Lovely. football, I know you will. And, and thanks for your help. Thanks for your help, Jess. Yeah, uh, Noel Barclay day. there. Uh, former All-White, of course. Uh, striker, a terrific striker in his own right. Uh, not quite the build of Erling Haaland was Noel Barclay, but uh, a terrific finisher. Uh, what a beast. Well, how would you like to defend uh, Erling Haaland? I mean, you just look at the size of him as he stands alongside you in those set pieces, and you think, holy hell, what's going to happen here? 9.46 here on SENZ. There's nothing quite like working with Mick. He's the mailman and he certainly knows it. The Mail Run, Saturdays from 8am. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when the whole Smithy's Multi. Know when to walk away and know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Well, uh, I was awful yesterday. Absolutely terrible. 0 and 3. And I was just as bad as the Celtics were against the 76ers, actually. They got uh, beaten up pretty badly. Um, Phoenix uh, didn't really get that close to the Nuggets. And this morning I predicted a draw between. AC Milan and Inter, of course, uh, we now know that Inter won 2-0 after two goals in the first 11 minutes. So down the gurgler went that one very, very uh, thoroughly. Today we'll go uh, Golden State and the Lakers. Uh, we'll go to accumulated points here in, in the game. Um, I think 226.5 points. Uh, so I'm going over, over that mark at $1.85. So 227 or more. Uh, Chicago White Sox to beat the Kansas City Royals uh, in Major League Baseball. And, of course, the uh, next round of the NRL starts tonight, being Thursday. And we've got the Storm playing the Broncos. What a great game that is. The Storm and the Broncos at $1.72. I'll take the Storm at home at $5.34. I think it's a, a really good, great way to start uh, this particular round of the NRL. Uh, yes, plenty going on. Uh, a couple of ticks coming in. Um, Renan Smith, it'd be good to have you, Cully and Mix back on the air as comments for the Rugby World Cup. Any chance? Uh, Marshy, I would say no, uh, to be perfectly honest. Absolutely no. What a combination that would be. Oh, my goodness me. It'd be good after the game, I can promise you that. That is uh, 9.53, 9, yeah, 9.53 here on SENZ. 
Uh, we'll be back uh, very shortly to tell you what's coming up in the next hour. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, quite a bit of feedback too on the interview with uh, Martin Sneddon, including uh, this text from JD that uh, said uh, Martin Sneddon uh, rather con- contradicted himself when he described the Spark deal as an experiment. Uh, Martin's track record uh, speaks for itself, but New Zealand cricket's decision in that regard significantly eroded their customer base. Well, according to the numbers um, around New Zealand um, and around the world, according to uh, Martin Sneddon, uh, that doesn't appear to be the case the way they're describing it. So uh, even though we get so many texts and hear so many messages and I speak to people around the joint who are um, absolutely uh, saying they're not, they haven't got spark, uh, they don't watch cricket anymore, um, contrary to, um, to all those people, um, is the belief that it's going extra well, in fact, uh, better than ever. Uh, and it's on free to wear. Right, uh, what's coming up in the next hour? Right, uh, straight after 10 o'clock, Ian Wanamaker. Ian Wanamaker is with us. Um, and uh, Logan Swinkle's uh, interviewed him a little earlier this morning. He's uh, a former Ice Black uh, because uh, the NZIHL season begins this weekend with the West Auckland Admirals hosting the Canterbury Red Devils. So we'll be talking ice hockey after the break. A panel with Aidan McLaughlin and Ben Strang. Um, and uh, continue to get those texts in, please. That'll be fantastic. Uh, and after 11, talking to Jason Ryan. All Blacks forward coach uh, for this campaign and the next one. It's uh, all coming up here on SENZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. This is Logan Swinkles and you're listening to SENZ. For those that tune into mornings with Ian Smith regularly, you'll know of my passion for ice hockey. Well, one league that I've been following for a number of years is our national league, the NZIHL. The season starts proper this weekend with the West Auckland Admirals taking on the Canterbury Red Devils. The man calling those games live on the NZIHL YouTube this weekend is former Ice Black in Wanamaker. Welcome back to the show, buddy. How are you doing? Yes, that's a matter of I'm very well, thanks. Cheers for having me. You've been involved with New Zealand ice hockey for some time now since uh, coming over from Toronto. Think about, just say, like the last five years. You know, basketball is becoming one of the most popular sports in the country, especially in high schools. Has hockey seen greater crowd numbers uh, Crowd numbers at those Auckland rinks? Yes, absolutely. I would say it's, it's definitely up there with one of the fastest-growing sports in New Zealand. And if you just look at the participation numbers all across New Zealand, there's so many more kids playing, and it's so great to see. Like, I'm involved with some of the Learn to Play program up in Auckland, and hmm. it's it's just pumping. Like, there's so many small area games. The kids are so involved. There are opportunity for them to be on the ice at least twice a week, sometimes three times a week. 
So getting that time in early is going to be so crucial for their future development. If, if any Kiwi kids are out there and listening and they want to, like, try something different, give, uh, give ice hockey a go because it can lead to some really promising future pathways. And something that I always say is that once you see a game, you're kind of hooked. So for someone who's never been to an NZHL game before, what kind of fan experience can they expect? Well, it's it is the fastest game in the world, and I haven't met anybody here in New Zealand anyway, and lots of people over around the world that have come to a game and not been in awe or just absolutely thrilled with what they saw. And they take away always one thing, possibly two or three, from just how fast the game is, how quick, exciting, there's hits, you know, goals, saves. It's, it's, it's an experience. I mean, it's something you could probably bring your family to. There's, there's passes that are a lot cheaper than just single ticket entry if you're an adult. Definitely come along, see a game. You would not regret it. Uh, and speaking of that, because, you know, there are games this weekend. In Auckland, there's two rinks. There's Paradise Avondale and then there's Paradise Botany Downs. Uh, for the other National League teams in, in Christchurch, you've got the Canterbury Red Devils there at Alpine Ice, Dunedin, the Phoenix Thunder, you're at, they're at Dunedin Ice Stadium. And then in Queenstown, they've got the Sky City Stampede playing out of probably my favourite rink in the country, uh, Queenstown Ice Arena. Let's look at the games this weekend uh, with the uh, West Auckland Admirals taking on uh, the Red Devils. But the Admirals have been one of the more consistent teams of the past few years, finalists the past two seasons, champions last in uh, 2018. Could you see them as being contenders again this year? Oh, definitely. The, the Admirals have just kept going from strength to strength, and they got a really good core group. Their coaching staff is, is onto it, and their captains and assistants, they really do lead the way, and they drive the bus. they got a great development program. Um, and playing in West Auckland is just an experience in itself. I mean, we talked about the fans coming to watch a game, out of the two rinks in Auckland, West Auckland is, like, it's loud. It's a, it's a pretty small rink as well. And when it's packed, it's pumping. So if those guys in West Auckland that play, um, they, they really get up for those games and, and represent uh, their region and their space pretty well. They, I mean, because I know that the West Auckland Admirals, they've got uh, Rus- Rusty Anchor Bottom, their mascot. They really get behind that sort of family-friendly environment, don't they? Yeah, it is really community orientated. It's it's very focused in around the the experience of the game, and that's that's what's noticeable. Like there's stuff in between periods that happens. You're not just sitting at a cold ice rink. It's pretty warm. There's food and drink. Um, I mean, they've they've even got a laser tag room upstairs at the ice arena. I think in both rinks too. So there's not just ice hockey available to to watch. Like there's multi sports that play out of just the ice rink like there's curling there you know there's speed skating there's there's figure skating public skating sessions so it's not just the ice hockey even though that's our our main focus that we're talking on and, and the admirals they are you know possibly one of the top teams in the nzihl and we'll definitely be pushing for trying to get another burgle cup championship what about the Botany Swarm? I, I know you've got a lot of history there. They haven't won a title since your playing days back in uh, 2011. What does this 2023 edition look like? Well, it's pretty young. They've got a, a, a group of a lot of young up-and-coming people. They've got some really good goaltending and good young goaltenders coming up as well. So that they are probably in, I don't know, they may not like this term, but a definite bit of a rebuild and kind of a restructure. They've got some great talent 
And a lot of people actually that have converted over from the inline hockey, like I've got a little bit to do with that inline hockey community, and it's great to see the likes of uh, Max Hill and Sam Pillage, um, some of these people, even like Grace Harrison, one of their starting goalkeepers who um, hails from Unganui. She's absolutely incredible in the goal, played Division One St. Lawrence University in America. Uh, she'll be backstopping that team. And they've got a good coaching staff too, and, and – I think they may surprise some teams. They've had some trouble scoring. That's been one of their things. But um, they they definitely have got a very solid group. You talk about rebuilds, whether you know a team wants to acknowledge it or not. And I think one team that's gone through that now and might be coming out the other end is the uh, Canterbury Red Devils. They had been the Wooden Spooners like three years running prior to the pandemic. But uh, Coach Anatoly Korozov, he also looks after the Ice Blacks as well. He's done, to me, it seems like he's done a real fantastic job of turning things around. And now you've got some great young talent coming through that Canterbury region. Who are you looking out for on that roster this weekend? Well, there's probably a few. If um, those Kerry boys are playing, like uh, I know that one of the Kerrys, I think it's Jacob. Um, he's been over in Canada. Jacob Carey. his craft. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's been over doing uh, one of the academies. I think it's the OCA Academy. Um pretty prestigious kind of development place for ice hockey where you can get your schooling and also play some hockey. Um, so he'd be one to watch for sure. I mean, if Chris Eden's playing, he's the National League record holder for the most points, so he's always dangerous. Anybody that plays on a line with him is going to be rewarded because he just puts up points pretty much every game. And it's it's kind of, you, you'd, you'd add in, I don't know, maybe like uh, Joseph Orr, he's been, uh, I think down in Phoenix Thunder with the the Naden team, but now he's relocated to Christchurch. So another guy gets lots of points on the back end. Nichols, he's been there for quite a while. I think he might even be part, putting his hand up to be part of that coaching staff. So, yeah, Anatoly's got a good – he's a systems guy. He's, he's pretty, you know, big onto that, and we'll get that Canterbury team um, in tip-top shape. i got to ask, look, uh, Ian, I've known you for a number of years as a player and, and briefly as a coach. What made you – turn to commentating next? Oh, that's a great question. I, you know what? I don't know. It's just a passion. I love the game so much that it doesn't really matter what role you throw at me. I, I, I'd just be involved in any way, shape, or form. And being in the commentary booth, you kind of see you really have to change how you look and see the game because you're, you're needing to voice it to the audience that's watching it. And you think of the average person at home or anyone who has not seen the game. I try to be pretty neutral, pretty kind of like... Uh, unbiased where possible and just give people a little bit of uh, like explanation as to what's happening and, and why it's happening or why you know the referee's got their hand up or that because that puck moves so fast it's hard to keep track it's yes it's been a passion of mine from a long time so I just love the game if I can give back to it in any way form um, people <laughs> seem to enjoy it and, uh, and they say that I'm not too bad at it so I'll continue doing it until uh, until uh, somebody says stop <laughs> well, I concur, mate. I, I do think you do a great job on, on the call. Uh, lastly, Ian, the Stanley Cup playoffs are on at the moment, and I know much like myself, you're a suffering Toronto Maple Leafs fan. They're currently down 3-0 in their series against the uh, Florida Panthers. A comeback of that magnitude hasn't happened since the LA Kings back in 2014, and it's only happened four times in history in total. So my question to you is, are you an optimist? Or a pessimist? 
Well, by nature, I'm always an optimist, and I think every Leaf fan will always kind of be like, oh, yeah, this is our year, this is our year, until they start losing. And my pessimist side, like my um, my mind side, says these guys are done. They they haven't shown the heart, the, the grit, the determination, what the essence is of making up a team to work together to achieve that common goal. They're they're just too far down, in my opinion. I don't know. I, I doubt they're going to be like the Kings and have that, that resiliency. Um, it's just... We've been here before, Logan. This is something that Leafs fans have been a part of, and it's the same record getting played again and again and again. And I'm kind of tired of finding excuses for them, you know what I mean? And (laughs) I just love the game of hockey so much that I love watching it. It's entertaining. But yet, since the team that we cheer for is down, and and I really don't know if they're going to do it. If they do, then I'll put my hand up and say, hey, well done, guys. You've you've managed to do it, but you I just if you get there, I'll still try to back you. But I don't know if they're that deserving. There's there's so many similarities between the Maple Leafs and the one New Zealand Warriors. I think with the way you look at it, um, just quickly, if it's not the Leafs, who are you favouring to win the Stanley Cup? Some of the teams that have surprised me the most, besides the Florida Panthers taking down the record-setting Boston Bruins this year, would be the Kraken. They took down the Colorado Avalanche, and they are just playing some pretty darn good hockey. Uh, but they're up against a massive team in the Dallas Stars. But with with that, you, you can't rule out the Hurricanes. They are just steamrolling. rindamore has got that group just rolling, and they they epitomize that teamwork. So, you know what? I can't pick one. It's it's not like it's not super easy. But you let me know who you're picking because uh, usually if I pick one, it kind of curses the team. So I'm yeah. just going to enjoy the playoffs, and we'll get. Yeah, well, I was thinking, hey, if not the Leafs, maybe the Devils, and then they got pumped like 6-1. So, yeah, I'm, I'm no good either. Uh, in Wanamaker, thanks so much for your time today, mate, and all the best for the calls this weekend. Thanks very much, Logan. Uh, have a great, great one. Reason to laugh. <laughs> Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Right, uh, Ben Strang with us this morning and uh, Aidan McLaughlin, a couple of regulars here on the panel. And uh, Aidan McLaughlin, uh, David White stepping down. A bit of a surprise, I think, uh, for Martin Sneddon. He thought it would be coming in the next year or two, but uh, he'll be gone in two months. So what would be your wish list for the incoming NZC CEO. Yeah, morning to you, Smithy, and morning to you, Ben. Yeah, it was a little bit of a surprise, wasn't it? I guess these things, even though you know they're going to happen possibly relatively soon, it's always a little bit of a surprise when the actual announcement comes. But um, yeah, for me, I, I've got two names I've thought of. Uh, one name is relatively obvious, the other one not so much. Uh, Heath Mills from uh, the Players Association. I think he has done a wonderful job over many, many years at the Players Association. Um, So he has a great knowledge, obviously, of the sport and the intricacies, and he has wonderful relationships. So he he would be uh, right at the top of my list. But alongside him would be a little bit more left field, and that would be Justin Nelson. Uh, Justin Nelson, although he does not have a cricket background, he has shown himself uh, with the New Zealand Basketball League to be uh, someone who has a wonderful sports administration uh, ability, um, and I just think the way that he rejuvenated that league, 
Um, and now he's moved on to Sky. Obviously, he's a great role there, and he works for you at SENZ as well. Uh, the great thing about Justin Nelson is not only the relationships uh, and, and the things that he can produce for his sport, but also he's very fan-focused. So those would be the two for me. Okay, very interesting. Uh, ben Strang, uh, what about you? Uh, I hadn't really thought about individuals. Um, there's there's a number of sort of sports, uh, you know, administrators who who do come to mind. Uh, you know, I I immediately think of is it Dale Budge who used to run the the tennis open. Um, mm. If you're wanting cricket, then Cam Mitchell does a good job in Wellington, um, and 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 could be ready for a step up. Um, he's actually done a fantastic job with Wellington with some of the. Um, pathway stuff, the way that wo- the women's game has been growing, um, all that sort of thing. Um, but but in general, my wish list for for the new CEO, whoever that may be, is that they focus slightly more. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be focusing on the, the black caps and the white ferns um, quite as much as they are, but I'd like to see them focus a little bit more on the grassroots game because I feel like with a real focus on, on the professional end that perhaps uh, the the grassroots game has slipped away, and perhaps that is a reason why we're not seeing as many uh, really impressive sort of youth players coming through the ranks anymore. Maybe the development needs to to improve. So perhaps that's something that that could be focused on by New Zealand cricket to to just bring that back. I, you know, I, I've said before that I'm a little bit worried about the the strength of of player coming through at the moment and it's hard to identify and pinpoint exactly what has caused that whether it is just little old new zealand doesn't have the the stock um but but perhaps that's something that that could be focused on in the men's and women's game from from a new ceo yeah i i find that interesting um aiden too i I enjoyed hearing his uh his absolute um Reasoning for um, the change from uh, Sky across to Spark and now, of course, on to TVNZ. So uh, I kind of think they've got themselves out of jail a wee bit um, with having that TVNZ natural progression because of the partnership with uh, Spark. Otherwise, they might have had to go cap in hand to somebody else. Oh, listen, undoubtedly, I mean, it's worked out very well for them, hasn't it? Um, it obviously wasn't the plan. Um the the money the the cash injection over six years from Spark Sport was considerable, and it has allowed New Zealand cricket to uh, move forward with things like uh, increased uh, female contracts, development contracts, uh, and a bit more investment in grassroots cricket. So they've they've had the money there, and now of course for the last three years of that six year deal, um, they get the best of both worlds because suddenly now everything's going to be on on free to air. So. So for me, the, 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 the interesting negotiation for any new CEO that, that comes in is going to be what happens after the six-year contract because Sky obviously come back into the equation, but they know they're in a, from a financial perspective, they're in a relatively strong negotiating position because there isn't a competition in the market like there was when they came along. Um, but equally, you know, how much can be done with a free-to-air um, provider, you know what what will happen over the next couple of years with TVNZ, um, and how much money can they afford to to put into to cricket? So, yeah, the, the, that's a huge responsibility for any new CEO because the last thing that New Zealand cricket wants uh, at the end of the six years is suddenly for the the, the rights to be worth uh, less than they are at the moment because then cuts need to be made and um, all areas of the game could potentially suffer as a result of that.
Absolutely. Well, we're told uh, David White's left or will be leaving the room with uh, a healthy set of books and um, and uh, some long-term contracts going forward. So uh, we'll wait to see uh, who the new appointment will be in uh, two or three months' time. Right, uh, let's uh, turn our attention to uh, a bit of rugby here, Ben, and the administration side of it as well, with this uh, signing of this uh, memorandum of understanding between New Zealand Rugby and the Japan Rugby Football Union to grow the game across the Asia-Pacific region, but players must stay in New Zealand to be considered as or, or for All Black selection. What have you made of this? From a financial point of view, it seems to make sense. I, I imagine that New Zealand rugby will make a heck of a lot of money out of this. Um, I, I, I didn't note, I mean, were the Black Ferns mentioned in this at all, or is it just the All Blacks and All Blacks 15 and Māori All Blacks? And, um, you know, but, but you know... So, so from that side of things, I think it makes sense. I think they'll want to get the, the Black Ferns involved as well, get a lot of games out there. I, I doubt that we're going to see high-quality matches being played. Um, you know, Hopefully, this does help Japan increase the quality of, of their rugby. Uh, but, but, yeah, I see this purely as a financial thing from the organisation. And, I mean, the, the signal that, yeah, players won't be able to come back and play for the All Blacks if they're overseas... Is, is unsurprising to me. I think New Zealand rugby have made it very clear over a very long time that players who are playing overseas and on sabbaticals and that sort of thing will not be able to play for New Zealand rugby. I do think there will be a day where that has to change and I think it will be sooner rather than later because the money that is on offer for players to go and play in Japan or Europe is just so phenomenal that younger guys are going to be looking at that and thinking, well, you know, I can set my, my family up here by going over and fulfilling one of these contracts. Sure, I might miss out on, on one of those dreams of playing for New Zealand rugby, but sometimes things are more important. If you can set yourself up for life, um, you've got to take a look at that. And if New Zealand rugby don't adjust, I do think in the future um, things will, will be difficult. Yeah, I, look, I, I totally agree. And, um, uh, one of the interesting things that might come out of this for me, Aidan, is that we've lost so much coaching knowledge to uh, Japan. I mean, we're contributing, I would imagine, uh, in knowledge alone uh, more than any other country to the growth of the game in the Asia-Pacific region anyway through that. Um, but whether we can uh, do some, if we can't do a deal with players overseas, what about coaches coming back? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? The, 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 just like the players can make so much money um, over in Japan and the other parts of the world, so can the coaches. I mean, I think what you tend to see is that uh, coaches also do need to show themselves here in New Zealand uh, at a decent level before they do attract those bigger contracts. That's not exclusive, of course. There are different circumstances. But, but I just think that the, the the player drain is more likely because there are there is such a good layer of uh, of players who maybe won't be all blacks one day but they are still very very high quality players and they could be Maori all blacks they could be all, all black 15 players quite easily um, and it's those players that seem to be the most susceptible to being picked up and, and us losing them I think the coaches uh, probably isn't quite as concerning on the coach front um, but, but to Ben's point, I, I totally agree that this is, you know, this is financially very, very attractive for New Zealand rugby. Um, clearly a great marketing tool as time goes on. My understanding is that the Memorandum of Understanding does uh, include Māori All Black and All Black 15 games. 
but not there was no mention of black ferns to the best of my knowledge. So um, yeah, that, that's my understanding of that. Yeah, I, I thought I did see something about the possibility of a couple of uh, test matches against the Japanese women's team, but uh, they would be, uh, from what I would be thinking, pretty one-sided affairs. Um, so I would imagine that uh, Japan would get more out of it uh, than we would. Incidentally, uh, gentlemen, as we go into a short break here, two names have come through. Uh, Carla said, what about Mark Greatbatch? She thinks that he would do a good job as boss of New Zealand cricket. And Cliff has come in with an interesting call too, uh, Roger Toos who I understand is uh, doing very well in the financial sector as well, Roger Toos, um, as the CEO of New Zealand Cricket. Interesting. Uh, 10.30 here on SENZ, where we'll be back with uh, Ben and Aidan very shortly. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. part two of the panel with Aidan McLaughlin and uh, Ben Strang and uh, Aidan, interesting uh, that, uh, no surprise though, but interesting still, Tiger Woods out of the PGA Championship, he continues to recover from the ankle injury, I'm not sure having released his caddy whether he's got expectations uh, to be honest of playing too much more serious golf and of course off the course uh, he's got a financial uh, deal to try and sort out with uh, another ex-partner. Um, it's an interesting life. If it's a movie, if there's a movie, and there will be surely a movie about Tiger, I wonder who'd play Tiger. Oh, geez, that's a t- that's a tough one. Um, um, what, what's the guy who does those um, the the Rocky spin-offs? Oh, those movies. I can't even think of the name of them now. Uh, Creed. Is it? I can't think of the actor's name. Perhaps someone like that. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how close we are to a movie. But um, but I agree with you. I think he's done for the year. Uh, I think as soon as Joe LaCava um, departed uh, from his bag uh, and he's taken up a permanent role now with um, Patrick Cantlay, as I understand it, well, you don't leave Tiger Woods unless, one, he boots you out, or two, he's not going to be playing any golf. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if we don't see him for the rest of the year and maybe he'll take the early part of next year off as well. We might see him back at the Masters next year. Um, and I guess, you know, we, we all have seen in recent years just how much pain he plays under when he does play, uh, and the fact that he had to have some um, some surgery after that Masters withdrawal, yeah, I think uh, I think that's him done. As for the the personal stuff, yeah, that's getting quite interesting, isn't it? Um, From memory, that the, the ex partner was by his side when he won that Masters a few years ago, um, but there does seem to be some very interesting headlines and stories coming out of that situation. So, yeah, another personal headache for Tiger to deal with. Yeah, those non-disclosure agreements are quite interesting. Uh, actually, um, Michael B. Jordan, I'm told, in my ear, Michael B. Jordan is the yes. actor you're thinking of who plays those uh, particular yep. parts. That's good. Uh, Logan, thank you for, thank you for that. Uh, I would have had no idea. There's only one Michael Jordan in life for me. Uh, right, uh, let's get across uh, to you, Ben Strang. And uh, Tiger Woods, yes, uh, his, his life, but his life doesn't include golf uh, at the moment. No, it's a it's a it's a real shame. Uh, you know, it, it always happens, doesn't it? Where these phenomenal athletes fade away in one one way or another. Um, Tiger not going out with a bang like perhaps we would have liked with the the career that he has had, but um, in some ways it's also fitting that there's a lawsuit and that sort of thing going on because Tiger has. Has certainly lived life. Um, there's, there can be no doubt about that. I, I do hope that he does return for a, a couple of tournaments here and there um, when he's when he's able. But I mean, after that surgery, after the Masters, the way he limped off on that last day, it seemed pretty obvious that 
he was going to be out for a while. It wasn't going to be a, a quick fix to that um, plantar fasciitis injury. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a shame. Uh, and as part of that, it means that you sort of, you know, who, who are you going to follow as a, as a golf fan now? Is there anyone else with that personality that you want to really follow and, and, and we'll see huge crowds tracking behind them over 18 holes and, I just don't think there's quite that personality anymore. I, I know I'd be avoiding Phil Mickelson, that's for sure, but um, but perhaps you're going to be watching Scotty Scheffler and, and John Rahm and, and the like just because of the, the way that they're playing at the moment is quite phenomenal. Well, they are. I mean, they're, they're taking the game to an, another um, <clears throat> another dimension, I feel, of late, uh, Rahm and Scheffler, and, and uh, they will be the first to say uh, that's uh, all thanks to Tiger Woods with uh, how he set the game up both financially and in terms of uh, coverage, etc. Uh, incidentally, Tiger Woods is 47. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind uh, betting that uh, he would be the, uh, a pretty big draw card on the Champions Tour in three years because uh, they're a little uh, more relaxed in terms of mobility. Uh, they would certainly make an exception if Tiger Woods was to play on there. Think of the television ratings on the Champion Tour in three years' time if uh, Tiger Woods was a, a regular player and a regular contender and able to use a cart. Uh, I think that's quite a mouth-watering uh, concept going forward. Speaking of uh, veterans, uh, Aidan McLaughlin, Tom Abercrombie has uh, confirmed that he will return, will play his 400th ANBL game September 30 against the Cairns Taipans here at Spark Arena. How good? Oh, An absolute legend of uh, Breakers basketball, Smithy, and it's great to hear that he's signed on for another year. I mean, he's already... Uh, the, the the leading uh, he's got the leading appearances for the for the franchise. I think he's got about fifty more than uh, Mika Vakona. Um and he's he's the you know the breaker that's played for the last thirteen or more years. You know he's done a fantastic job. Um, he's developed into a real leader in in that setup. And you know there's a lot of comings and goings with the breakers as we've seen over many years for, for various reasons. Um, but uh, Tom Abercrombie has been a real steady influence on that setup through good times and through bad times and uh, yeah great to hear he's back for another season and uh, Ben Strang um, I, I think uh, he's a fan favourite there's no doubt about that if, uh, if he uh, stays fully fit um, a terrific asset too I think a lot of the players love, love playing with him I was just thinking as well about the legacy he's left behind because you know when the break you know the breakers have, have been New Zealand's only you know, truly professional team in that uh, ANBL. He's been a stalwart of that side for coming up 16 seasons. Any basketball fan in New Zealand, as basketball has taken off over that time period, will be looking at Tom Abercrombie and and these kids will be growing up and thinking, hey, I could actually do that. You know, like, like basketball is a viable option if you have the talent and have the work ethic to do it. Um, so he's just blazed a path in some ways for for players who who want to want to take their game to a professional level and and now know that they can actually do that in New Zealand. And yes, the pathway is is also growing overseas. You see more and more New Zealanders going over to play in America, and they're playing very very well at college level in America. Um, Stephen Adams is is sort of the glowing light in the NBA, but guys like Tom Abercrombie. Who, who turn out for the Tall Blacks whenever they get the opportunity, who have been so good for so long for the New Zealand Breakers, 
that's just a, a great legacy to leave behind for, for younger players. And I'm sure that that will lead to more New Zealanders, more talent coming through the basketball ranks, having somebody like that to look up to. Incidentally, Ben, uh, I'm not quite sure if you've been watching too much of the NBA, but this uh, LeBron James, I mean, continues uh, to absolutely... It, it, it confounds me, actually, with his ability um, to match it physically um, in terms of the long the, the minutes on the court, etc., but his skills as well. He's in action again uh, today, actually, a crucial game for Golden State against the Lakers, but um, I've I got to admire him um, for whatever reason or not. I mean, you know... He's just a, an absolute superstar of world sport, let alone basketball. Yeah, I. so I'm a Golden State Warriors fan, have been for a very, very long time. Uh, and so it was very frustrating uh, two days ago to watch that, that last play where LeBron was basically directing traffic. And, and if you see, there's a side-by-side of the Golden State Warriors in 2018 playing against the Lakers, an inbounds play at the end of a game. Uh, the players basically make all the same movements, kick the ball out to Clay Thompson in the corner. He shoots a three, unguarded, beautiful play. They basically tried to run the same play uh, two days ago, and LeBron remembered every single movement and was pushing the players and telling them where to go to stop that from happening, and it led to a turnover. And and people always talk about his photographic memory, the way he can recall every moment of a game immediately after, that sort of thing. It's... It's just phenomenal. I, I think um, he is he is an incredible athlete. Um, I don't understand the hate he gets sometimes. I think he is his you know these goat debates aren't very helpful, but but he is just phenomenal, and people should absolutely enjoy watching him while they can. And hopefully, um, <laughs> hopefully the Warriors do come back, and he only plays three more games this season. But <laughs> but uh, it is a joy to watch him when he is on the court. Yeah, it's, it's staggering, actually, for me. Um, anyway, for Aiden, um, listen, uh, Westpac are running a charity auction on Trade Me for the Hawks Bay uh, Rescue Helicopter Trust. You're involved in this. Um, tell us a wee bit about um, the items for sports fans and, and the um, and the site itself. Yes, Biffy, so we, thank you. We um, we had a, a quiz night fundraiser last night at the Tauradale Rugby Club uh, where we had some silent auction items and between the quiz and that a few other things that were going on. We raised the best part of $15,000 last night. Um, but you're right, we still do have five items on TradeMe. Um, uh, so that those TradeMe auctions are open until Sunday afternoon, so a few more days. So basically, if you go in to TradeMe and just type in signed All Blacks jersey, uh, probably the first tip will be uh, a signed replica of the 2022 All Blacks squad, um, which is, is on there. And then if you, you go through that item, you'll come to... Uh, the, the seller, which is HB Rescue Heli. And if you look at their other listings, you'll find the other four listings. Um, so we've got a signed Black Caps bat, a uh, signed All Blacks rugby ball, and then we've also got some, some awesome uh, rugby uh, packages. Uh, there's um, some tickets for the Hubs versus the Crusaders at Sky Stadium, which is coming up. And then also very kindly... Um, Donated by SCNZ is uh, a couple of uh, corporate tickets to the Warriors versus the, Corp- the Canberra Raiders at Mount Smart. Um, so, yeah, so that's uh, extremely generous of SCNZ and all our other uh, donors. But, yeah, just get on to, get on to Trade Me over the next few days. Uh, type in signed All Blacks jersey, and um, that should open the door to find all five of those items. But, yeah, still, still relatively low prices for some of them. So 
I think there's still a few bargains to be had if people get in there. Good on you, Aidan, uh, and congratulations on the fine work you're doing. Uh, thanks for being on the panel, and to you, uh, Ben Strang, as well, for your participation. Tiger Woods, uh, very interesting indeed. Um, and uh, of interest too, uh, I should just say to Richard, your text, uh, um, tongue-in-cheek, Mr Smith, when might you be having a female on the panel, please, regards Sue Bradford? Um, I get that. Um, so tomorrow, tomorrow, Lavina Good is on the panel tomorrow, Richard. I hope that appeases you. It is 10.43. Smith on SCNZ. Yes, uh, let's not forget Stephen Alker and uh, Ryan Fox uh, teeing it up in the PGA as well, and that uh, is uh, towards the end of next week. Uh, thanks for the reminder there. Not that uh, we needed it. We're so keen on what uh, they're up to at the moment. Also keen on what get Beaver gets up to. Now, uh, we sent our number one man, Beaver, to the AM show this morning, apparently. Uh, in fact, we did. Uh, and this is what was the end result was. Um, all right, to SCNZ, that you've got the broadcasting rights, which is very exciting for you mm. guys, right? Yeah, it's hugely exciting. Obviously, SCNZ's a, a sports station that's been, I think we're coming up two years, and, uh, you know, we've been trying to get little bits in commentary, and we've had live cricket and the Ashes and stuff like that, but to get the Rugby World Cup rights when we're a New Zealand station is... Uh, it doesn't get any better for us. So we're excited by that. And I think we're going to do all the big games, obviously all the All Black games, all the finals and, and the French and the Irish games. So no, we, we are pumped as, a, as an organisation to get it. So will you just be working non-stop for two months? I do that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no I'm, still, I'm still waiting on selection uh, as far as who's going to be commentating. <laughs> I think they've, they'll go for a couple of others and if they don't get no one, then they'll probably come to me or me or Izzy. So uh, no, it's, it's exciting. Um, obviously, as we said, Come September, October, there's going to be nothing else going on in the world as far as New Zealanders are concerned. So, well, there'll Just be an election. election. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what's that? I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, what's that? He'd have no, absolutely no interest in the election, I reckon, if the Rugby World Cup was on, or Beaver. And, uh, yeah, so that's been our uh, good news of uh, the morning, uh, Logan, and it, uh, it broke to the world at uh, 10 past 8, I think, this morning on the AM, courtesy of, of Beaver. So, um, and uh, it's ongoing. I mean, we're not going to stop there, uh, SENZ either. And uh, I can think uh, nothing better than if I'm working in a hospital. I'm a taxi driver. Um, I'm a night watchman. I'm working in a factory overnight or in a processing uh, area where I'm doing the night shift or whatever. If I haven't got or can't afford Sky, um, if I, you know, all those various things that come into play there, nothing better than being able to um, turn the old transistor on or put the app on um, and listen to the Rugby World Cup right there. And can I say, Beaver put on, I don't know if he rated uh, Mark Stafford's wardrobe, but he put on a nice shirt. He did his hair, represented us very well on AM this morning on uh, TV3. So great job there, Beav. Yeah, it's it's awesome, man. As you said, we're only, we're only just getting started year two, roll on year three. Bring on more cricket is all I say, Smithy. Bring on more cricket. Yeah, bring on more cricket. Maybe, um, who knows? Who knows? Tried to get that out of Martin Sneddon, but he wasn't forthcoming on the radio side of things. Uh, there you go. Uh, someone who is more forthcoming, more forthcoming um, in terms of odds in particular, is uh, waiting for us at the TAB. So we'll get across there very shortly. 800 150 811 
brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Right, uh, let's get straight to Paul Mawati. There is so much on uh, for you to bet uh, as we approach the weekend because, of course, first the game of the latest round of the NRL tonight, Storm vs Broncos, and NBA games. Uh, boy, they're rating highly and getting a lot of attention, Paul. Yeah, they sure are, Smithy. Uh, let's start with the NBA as well. We've got a couple of games today. We're around a half an hour out from tip-off in the game between the New York Knicks and the Miami Heat. Uh, the Knicks, slight favourites there. They're $1.59. The Miami Heat are at $2.30. Uh, so far, money on the Heat at $2.30. And uh, there's a few power plays that the boys have opened up. And I can tell you, the best back so far uh, has been... Oh, Crocky, we have to go down quite a ways. Any player records a triple-double at $21. Uh, I'm guessing if someone's going to do that, it's probably going to be someone like a Jimmy Butler who's had a sensational series for the Miami Heat up against the Knicks who are on the, uh, they're on the cusp of elimination. Uh, in the late game today, uh, in terms of the NBA, we've got the Golden State Warriors who are another team who need to win or they can start planning their holidays. They're $1.31 favourites at home against the LA Lakers, who are at 3.35. And, of course, tonight, the big NRL, the the big game to start the round, round 11. Uh, the Storm are back home, taking on the Broncos. $1.72 on the Storm. Brisbane Broncos, $2.08. Punters are telling us the Broncos should be favourites because we cannot stop the money that's coming for the Broncos to win that game. They're getting stuck in. They really do like them. And in the first try-scorer market, there's a couple of players that have been very well-backed. Uh, on the Melbourne Storm side, Nick Meany at $11. He's been uh, he's seen a bit of action to be the first try scorer. And in terms of the Broncos, uh, they love Reese Walsh at $14. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, Paul. Thanks for all that information. Um, if you're going to have a bet, of course, uh, bet wisely. Don't bet uh, above your means. So that's our message here on SENZ and from the TAB itself. So, Paul, have a terrific day. I got a text and actually from uh, a namesake, Ian said, Smithy, a give a little page needs to be set up for the Broncos. They must be feeling incredibly homesick actually having to leave Brisbane. Mm, I think that's a fair comment too. Uh, they haven't had many games away from Brisbane. In fact, if you look at their uh, season, they're not going to either. They're not going to. Uh, so it's a little bit stacked in that regard. Let's set up a c- controversial thing, shall we? Um, that's got to be. That's got to be anti the Warriors, that. Got to be. 11 o'clock, we've got uh, Jace Ryan. Jason Ryan coming up next. All- Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Time to talk uh, a bit of rugby and uh, focus on uh, the All Blacks, actually. Uh, we don't uh, often get uh, the opportunity to uh, get inside uh, the coaching staff, but um, we are t- this morning, and uh, it's great that uh, Jason Ryan has made himself available to us. Uh, Jason, uh, thank you so much uh, for this. Um, and first of all, uh, congrats too on the, the reappointment to uh, the new staff. I know that's um, in the future and you've got this project in front of you at the moment, but nice to know that uh, you're going to be involved with the Games Elite for uh, a decent period of time. 
Yeah, morning, Smithy. Um, thanks for having me on. It's always uh, great to chat with you. Um, yeah, no, I appreciate that. Look, it is, um, you know, it is nice to have that, I guess. But you know, you're right in what you say that the, the immediate focus is um, what's ahead for this year, and um, I'll, I'll leave all that sort of thinking around the next stage till after the World Cup. But definitely looking forward to what's ahead, mate. Yeah, sure. Okay, right. Uh, let's focus on uh, what's in front of you at the moment, and that, of course, is Super Rugby. Um, when you look at uh, Super Rugby in your eyes, are you looking at as uh, a trial, like for this weekend, the, the Blues against the Crusaders? You're you looking at individual matchups here. How do, how do you approach that? It's a bit of both, really, to be honest. I think that um, well, it's definitely not a trial, I wouldn't say, but you do look at different positions. Um, and, and, and what they're offering in the game. I think this is the time of year where teams have a little bit more pressure starting to come on them around trying to get to finals and the, the rugby games as such um, increase in, um, in, in, in good intensity. So you can have a look at momentum shifts, how different teams are, for example, put in context, calling lineouts when they're under pressure, and then how skill sets are uh, under pressure around the, the collision area, which is going to be big for us, especially around test matches. So it's a little bit of a, uh, a bit of both, really. But um, yeah, this, this contest will definitely be um, right up there, I'm hoping, as a spectacle and also um, All Blacks playing well. Obviously, um, we see shots of, um, of, of yourself and, and Fozzie and, and, uh, and, and Joe and others um, at games in the crowd. Um, how how do you watch the games as such? I mean, do you in your particular area, of course, is the forward side of things. Do you find it easy to watch from a grandstand um, the front row action, for for in, for instance, or do you rely mostly on television for the up close stuff? Yeah, great question. I, I think for me, it's um, so when I when I go to the games, I want to look at the um, our big boys, how fast they are getting off the ground. Uh, whether or not they've made a tackle or whether or not they've made a carry and their speed of thought to get off the ground and how quick they are getting off their feet. So that's what I'll look for and I'll, I'll probably target a couple of three players in that first half and then the second half I might have a look at uh, someone else. And then the footage which we get um, after every game I'll review. So I review every New Zealand Super um, franchise's line-out and scrum um, as if I was reviewing it, uh, getting ready for a test match. So, because I've got to stay sharp, and I, you know, I think we've got a really good relationship with all the Ford's coaches for the Super teams. They're all doing a great job. So I'll connect with them, and I might send a couple of clips and say, "Have a think about this." So I'll leave it with you. Um, it's their teams, but that that sort of gives you a bit of context, Smithy, of what I'll what I'll look for and how I'll go about it. Are you happy now? I mean, when you look at this, and, and obviously you, you will have a, a say in, in selection as such, you happy now you are seeing enough from your incumbents, or are you happy that you're seeing enough from um, possible players putting pressure on? Yeah, there's definitely um, a good um, possible. Definitely, I think that there's definitely been some names that we're bouncing around at the moment that, we're, we're, that, are, that are playing some really good rugby. Um, I think that we've also got some some All Blacks that were with us last year and, and, and you know a few season campaigns that have started to hit their rhythm. Some have had a few niggles. You know, there's been a few injuries early in Super Rugby, but I think what is pleasing is um, that sort of a bit of a run has sort of 
a little bit behind us at the moment and we're seeing a few guys come back into action at the right time of year which is important for us but I think it's going to be um, some good competition around our props uh, I think that's one area where um, we've got some boys playing some pretty good footy which is really exciting Okay, um, on that subject, ball carrying props. How much emphasis do you place on the ball skills of your big boys as such? To back up like a ball carrier, like a, a Samasoni Taukiaho? Yeah, a lot. And it's something that I think, um, personally, in the last couple of years, we've had to make some shifts on. I think we are getting there. If you look at, say, um, and Ethan DeGroote and the Tyrell Lomax, how they um, came on at the end of their season in the Test Match Arena, I think they made some big strides. But I think, as a whole, our front row boys, um, you know, they're getting a lot of touches in the game now, a lot more than they used to. And their, their skills, um, we still need to keep working away at that, um, along with their bounce and getting off the ground. It's a, sort of one sets the, up the other, really, if, they, if they're off it. If they're off the ground um, fast, Smithy, well, they're going to be in a position to to carry or pass. So I think we're making some good progress there, but it is something that will be front of mind that we still want to really drive. Obviously, when we get to World Cup time, we're going to be coming across uh, world referees, some of which we're probably encountering for the first time. Uh, they all have interpretations on things, etc. But when it comes to the scrummaging side of things, are you happy um, that you, you're going to be well and truly prepared for uh, every eventuality there? Yep, and we'll need to be smithy. I think that the scrums uh, in Super this year have been a bit of a mixed bag, to be fair. Um, I think that, you know, look, there's some good conversations going on behind the scenes with the referees and the coaches. I think that that side of things is really strong you know like each super club in New Zealand has got a, a super rugby referee aligned to them which I think is a real step forward in conversations and, and what we need um, in key areas and understanding on rulings but also you know they're getting directed from Joel Duke who's the head of referees um, who's based in, in France so it's 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 a matter of working with them, but I think that you know we will have um, different situations that we'll have to come up to speed with really really quickly. But I'm confident we'll be able to do that. Right. The other uh, area which is um, often talked about is the line out drive situation. In fact, uh, your good friend the professor came up with a couple of statements about it this week, which are counted <laughs> by a couple of other people. But the fact of the matter it is it is here. It is in the game. It is a, a hell of a tool for scoring points, and it's a hell of a hard thing to defend at times. How much time do you strategize over that, Jason? Yeah, a lot, and it's becoming a big part. What I will say is, you know, the, the game of rugby, you know. You've got forwards and you've got backs. That's the beautiful thing. It's no different to cricket. You've got your batsmen and then you've got your, um, your bowlers, haven't you? So we all complement each other. But I think on the subject of malls, um, I think we can actually tweak a few things where we can actually make it better instead of you know criticising it as such. Like had the conversation um, last week, actually. If, if it's a six-man line-out, we'll leave it as a six-man line-out instead of piling heaps of numbers into the mall where it does look a little bit sloppy but you know that's something that can be talked about and I think those conversations are ongoing but as far as line out defence goes back to your question Smithy yeah we put a lot of work into that and I think that um, the super teams I need to speak on behalf of the New Zealand sides at the moment I think that they're doing a really good job in stopping malls and um, you know there's some good work going on there uh, from the coaches. In terms of 
contesting lineouts in certain areas of the field at certain stages of matches. Whose call is that, and how much how much chat do you have with your on-field captains prior to going in in terms of those kinds of strategies? Yeah, it's ongoing. It's um, pretty fluid, that side of things. Um, Smithy, we'll have a line-out defence leaders um, who, who keep an eye on things and, 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 and different formations that they will preview. For us, Scott Barrett has been immense in that area, and we're, we're growing another couple of lads, but... You know, it's you just got to have a look and ha- at the start of the game, and I'll, I've got to give those boys solutions as well because, you know, you can do all your preview during the week, but you know that's the beauty of test matches. You can you can get a, you can get a different picture in the first ten minutes, and then it could change again in the next two lineouts. So we've got to make sure our our messaging's right, and whether or not we're going to have um, air pressure, so pressure in the air or pressure on the ground. Um, that's how we'll sort of run that and um, you know we've, we've got to be able to adapt quickly if there's different pitches With the international season approaching of course um, uh, traditionally this is the time when all black selectors really sit forward in their seats uh, but it's also a time where I would imagine you get uh, more and more nervous because you've uh, you've already lost a, a little bit of uh, your propping resources this year so I would imagine you sit and watch and, and have your fingers crossed a number of times yeah, it's it's a bit of both, really, Smithy. I really, um, I think it's a great great opportunity to really challenge your coaching as well. Like, you know, you you got to coach these boys, um, and if if someone else gets an opportunity through an injury, that's when that's when you got to really make your mark as a coach, I guess. So I think you know when you look at someone like Neeps, who's a really experienced tight head, he's he's in, he's injured, and there's not heaps of big international tight heads queuing at the front door <laughs> at the moment. This is yeah. a pretty unique spot, but. I'm pretty, um, you know, I'm, I'm 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 pretty confident that we're going to have some boys that come through and Neeps all going well. We'll be injury free uh, by the end of the year. Right. The, the next important thing is um, the scouting side of things in terms of overseas uh, teams and um, Six Nations. I suppose is invaluable for for that purpose as such. Uh, but again, uh, the next time you see a lot of these teams live will be at the World Cup. So how much work can you put in behind the scenes for the likes of a France, for the likes of an Ireland? Yeah, well, look, I think um, certain teams have, have themes and, and, and pitches that they really see as a trademark for them. So I think we've got a fair idea of you know what that is, but where it is now, but you know, you talk about you know the World Cups. It's different. It is so much different, and teams will be at their absolute best, and they wouldn't have showed their hand. But that's where, you know, game one in September against France, we've just got to make sure that we've done all the work. I think more importantly on our game and how we're tracking. Like you, you can you can look so much at the opposition, but you've got to make sure that you're sorting your own shit first. <laughs> to be fair, and yeah. I think that'll be a big focus with the rugby championship. Ireland look good again. We saw how good they were on New Zealand soil, but um, it, it looks as if uh, their consistency is at a very high level. I'd, I'd agree with you, Smithy. I think that one of the, one of the things that they do really well is um, the simple things really well over and over again, and they play with a really good speed. Um, they're carrying clean, and their breakdown work is. You know, pretty phenomenal. You wouldn't say that they've got a whole lot of X factor players. You know, like James Lowe scores a couple of couple of tries. They've got a bum key in the midfield, but they've got a forward pack that really know what they're doing and they can do it at a 
really high intensity for a long period of time. So I think that they, um, yeah, they were awesome in the Six Nations, to be fair. So how far away, Jason, uh, and what kind of work are you guys um, going to be actually be able to get hands-on with, with your squad as such? I know you've had uh, the odd get-together as such, but when it comes to ab- absolutely getting stuck into it, what does the programme look like going ahead? So after the Super Rugby final, we've got seven days together, and then we go to Argentina. So we're, we, we haven't got time at all, but, you know... Experts don't need time, they say. So you know, just make sh- you just got to make sure that you are an expert in your area. Give them a couple of key things. We had leadership meetings um, with a few of the boys. We've got one more coming up where we've planted a few seeds around how we want to play, uh, what we want to change, what we believe we need to make shifts on, and that's got to happen pretty quickly. And uh, you know, as I said before in the call, Smithy, I'm pretty fortunate that I can have little combos with the super rugby coaches and so it's not a whole lot of new stuff because otherwise it'll go the other way just just finally as an aside uh, jason with your time um at fiji you'd be pretty in, uh, enjoying um the competitive side of the drawer this year and uh, the results they're coming up with oh mate oh, i think it's so good for those boys they've you know they struggled a bit last year clearly but i think they're um i think that they're they're really playing to what Fiji rugby is all about it's so instinctive there's not a lot of game plan <laughs> but they just mm. play with their offload and they just they play really freely I think McBurn and, and Glenn Jackson over there have done a great job and, and going to Latoka and I know how hot it is there it's wow she's some place and um, I've used it as a real fortress and it's a credit to them how well they're going and they'll definitely be a threat and it'll set them up for the World Cup but no doubt about that are you allowed to put your eye patch on when the Crusaders play? No. <laughs> well, I'll be sitting next to Joe Smith. I'll be sitting next to Joe Smith, and he'll start nudging away. There's usually a little bit of banter, but um, oh, look, if it's a great contest and there's no injuries, I'll be happy, Smithy. <laughs> That's what I was saying about the injuries. Uh, hey, hey, also, I mean, you can't deny that the Chiefs have been outstanding, haven't they? And this kind of competition against the opposition to be unbeaten at this point—that's uh, pretty damn good. Phenomenal. I think that Clayton uh, McMillan is doing an outstanding job with those boys. I really do. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to to head into their environment for a few days, and um, you can see that they are. Uh, making some big strides in some key areas that they need to. They're a really well-connected uh, group. They're well-coached, as all the super teams are. But, they, um, yeah, you can see why they've got a bit of rhythm and they'll definitely be there at the end. Hey, well, indeed. Uh, and uh, you'll be with the All Blacks for a long period of time, which is great news, Jason. Um, and uh, really enjoy the, the chat on exactly what you're looking at when you're watching a game of rugby. I think that's a great insight. So uh, thanks for that. Uh, go well, stay well, and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Thank you. Yeah, good man, Smithy. Great to talk to you. All the best. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Jason Ryan there, of course, assistant coach for the All Blacks, whose domain is the forward pack, uh, and getting them uh, ready up front is uh, going to be a huge mission. Uh, for what's coming up in the World Cup. But, of course, as we just heard, uh, only about a week uh, between the Super 15, uh, or the Super Finals, I should say, Super Finals, and uh, and heading to, to Argentina. Uh, that is uh, not long at all to get uh, everything uh, together and uh, on song, isn't it? And they'll be under pressure. Uh, it's never easy in, in Argentina either. So uh, a, first, uh, a tough one first up, but... And you can expect a lot of uh, All Blacks um, within that first squad to be playing in the Super Final the way things are tracking at the moment.
Right, cool. Eleven uh, twenty here on SENZ. Uh, we'll take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to pacing for purpose horse. So I want to go to the sports desk today as well, uh, and we'll have a stump smithy all coming up in the next uh, ten fifteen minutes. Pacing for purpose season two. Rightio, our pacing for purpose horse this week, and uh, let's uh, not forget uh, that all profits that we raise uh, are going to women's refuge. Uh, this is uh, tonight at uh, Cambridge, and that is at 7.14pm, uh, race five, number one, John Wayne, two-thirds leading into this, and uh, form uh, this great draw must uh, rate a big chance, so he's got the inside draw, John Wayne, and uh, that is uh, tonight at 7.14, race five, number one. Uh, so far, the uh, totals raised breakfast $890. They had a win last week, so uh, they're going better. Uh, we had a win last week. We're up to $987.50. Uh, afternoon, $630. And uh, the run home, uh, $1,412.50. So still um, more than a long neck in front, I think it's fair to say. Uh, Lee Jamon is uh, the top for the top cricket job. Now, Lee Jamon has had a history of uh, administration in New Zealand cricket and, of course, uh, in Australia, with New South Wales. Uh, knows the Aussie game well, knows the Aussie systems well. Um, and they seem to work pretty well, don't they? Uh, so maybe um, that's a possibility, lead Jamon to come home and uh, maybe apply for that job. So certainly he fits the bill in terms of cricket knowledge and cricket passion. And that was uh, one of the things that uh, Martin Sneddon said they were looking at and they'd prefer that kind of, but it doesn't have to be that way. Um, and it doesn't matter male or female, it is the best person for the job. Best person for the job. And that should really apply to all high-profile jobs, shouldn't it, to be fair? Pretty common sense, even board positions, whether it's 40% or not. Um, uh, this is my way of thinking on that. The best people uh, should be um, the ones making the decisions. Uh, does that not make sense anymore? Uh, right, OK. Uh, Jared's come in and said, look, hey, uh, thank God the rugby union appointed Jason Ryan last year to help uh, Ian Foster. He speaks with assertiveness and knowledge. No wonder he has raised his right-hand man going forward in a World Cup year he is a real asset for me. I think you're dead right there, Jared. He's a real asset for everyone. Ah, right, Logan Swinkles. So, uh, what have you, uh, what have you got lined up of interest now? Is there any score updates? Uh, the Maple Leafs falling behind again today? Uh, well, I mean, if we were live streaming my studio camera, Smithy, people would see how stressed I was at the uh, end of that Blue Jays uh, game against the uh, Philadelphia Phillies. Blue Jays ended up losing that one 2-1. They were up 1-0, so uh, yeah. All I say is don't put money on Toronto teams. Um, and I, I said that today, actually. One of uh, our sales uh, mem- uh, team members, uh, Dylan Patel, asked me if I, if he should be putting money on the Toronto Maple Leafs because they're playing game four against the Florida Panthers right now. They're down 3-0 in this series. They're playing to keep their season alive and not get swept and be absolutely embarrassed. I said don't put money on them. Um, I just think... I'm a pessimist now, Smithy. I wanted to be the optimist, but I've I've switched. I just think they're going to get swept. Um, and yeah, like I said, they get swept. I'm not coming into work tomorrow. It's, it's as simple Where's as that. Where's the ice? Where's the ice? <laughs> what, whose ice are they on? Ah, uh, Florida. So uh, there's. Oh gosh. Yeah. Uh, but hey, if you lose, 
You can hit the beach and have a good time, can't you? <laughs> uh, I do actually have some news uh, coming out of a uh, bit of more college basketball for you. We talked about uh, Bronny James committing to USC rather than going to the AMBL as part of that Next Stars program. Well, it seems like that star power, Paul, has uh, attracted the son of a, of a former uh, basketball um, I, don't, I wanted to call him a great, but really he's not. I'm talking about the son of Dennis Rodman, DJ Rodman. Uh, he has played four seasons with Washington State. Now, typically that would mean he's towards the end of his uh, college career, but under an NCAA rule uh, that came into effect during COVID-19, it has allowed players to have an extra year of eligibility, and he is now transferring to USC. So DJ Rodman is going to be pairing up with Bronny James, Smithy. Is that right? Is that... You're absolutely spot on there. That is unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, and so if you're just wondering, what is he like? Because, I mean, Dennis Rodman, he was known for being a re- reba- rebounding freak. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he was one to watch, that's for sure. Uh, so in four seasons with Washington, the six-foot forward uh, averaged 9.6 points and 5.8 rebounds while starting 30 of his 31 games for the Cougars last season. So... Uh, Definitely a good asset for USC and coming into his last year. It'll be interesting to see if he goes any further than that, if he wants to uh, pursue a career in NBA or not. But the USC Trojans are definitely uh, piling on the uh, the star power for next season, Smithy. Star factor in the crowd, won't there? Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, when uh, time permits, uh, the likes of the great LeBron and... Um, Dennis Rodman, front row in the crowd. That would be interesting. Uh, they'll rate through the roof. So there'll be a lot of games on television, you would imagine. Um, also, let's not forget Dennis Rodman uh, has uh, also got a very talented daughter and Trinity Rodman. Now, Trinity Rodman, we will see in this country um, coming up in the Women's Football World Cup. She plays for the US team. Um, she is... Um, the highest paid and youngest player in the NSWLS history. There you go. Um, so um, she's absolutely star power herself. Trinity Rodman, keep an eye out there. So uh, he might be a bit of a wacko, Dennis Rodman, with all his get-ups and places that he visits around the world, trying to save the world or put it in more trouble. <laughs> uh, he's a bit different, but... He's certainly got the right genes when it comes to breeding sporting people. I will say, though, if you've never read it, read his book. It's a very interesting insight into the man. Hmm. Okay. Uh, excuse me if I don't do that this afternoon. It's 11.31 here on SENZ, and it's time for you to get on the phone. 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. It's time to stump Smithy, and it's a $50 voucher, $50 voucher today from the TAB, available to you very shortly. And here is the news at 11.32. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yes, yeah, time to play Stumped here on SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith, where we're celebrating today, Smithy, because we are the official rights holders, at least for radio, for the Rugby World Cup here. Ah, how good. I know you're pumped, aren't you, mate? I am, actually, Um, and um, I'll be listening to a lot of it. Don't you worry about that. Um, A lot of people saying, uh, I'll be watching on Sky. Well, a lot of people will be. Uh, Actually, some people like to watch it on Sky and have radio commentary. I know that happens a lot with cricket. Mm -hmm. 
I often get messages like that. Um, so um, if you can match up the, you know, the, the action with the commentary, I, I, I don't see that as a problem. So they'll be scrambling all around the office. I know people begging for jobs in terms of commentary, commentary, <laughs> etc. Yeah, well, yeah. you can just see them lining up all around the place. Speaking of lining up, who's lining up this morning against us? Ah, uh, first at the crease, we're going to Palmy North, and it's Lammy. Come in, mate. Oh, g'day, guys. Hey, Smitty. Hey, Logan. How you going, brother? Yeah, damn good, Lemmy. Damn good. How's the day going for you, man? Oh, mate, going great guns, but it's still it's just raining. That's all, buddy. You know, the weather's not too good. That's all. Okay. Let's, uh, let's hope that it clears up for you, mate, because we had a yeah, guts yeah. full of the wet. <laughs> Even heading into winter, we've already had a guts full of rain and, and cold weather, so um, let's uh, hope we can cheer up your day. Lammy, anyway, let's get fair. What are the subjects today for Lammy? All Logan? right, playing for the $50 TAB bonus bet today, Lammy. The topics to choose from are basketball, rugby league, and soccer football. Take your pick. Um, hey, Smitty, I'll get you to choose, buddy. I don't mind what it is. Huh? What were they again? Basketball, rugby league, and football. soccer football. Yeah. Ah, uh, gosh, I don't know. Let's go rugby league, eh? I'm liking my league at the moment. I'm liking my league. <laughs> all right. All okay, right. Good luck. I'm gonna go say next. Next. <laughs> you might after you hear these questions. Uh, <laughs> uh, the third umpire Brian Lardity has uh, served up uh, some hard ones today. I'll give you that. First question for you, Lammy. This Friday night, the Warriors will look to snap their losing streak against the Bulldogs in Sydney. The Waz and the Dogs have played each other 38 times in the NRL era, beginning in 1998. The Bulldogs have won 18 out of 38. How many have the Warriors won? Oh, I don't know. Ten? One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. That'd be a lot of draws. Uh, Smithy, over to you. I was going to say, Golden Point. Has Golden Point been around the whole time? That's the thing. Or were there draws? That is interesting for me. Um, look, uh, Golden, you know, draws are very, very rare these days. I'm going to say, so 38, I'm going to say that the Warriors have won 18. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yeah, nicely done. Sorry, Lemmy. Yes, 18 and 18. So there's been two draws between the two sides. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Cheers, Lemmy. Thanks, mate. Uh, look forward to calling up again next time. Right, who's next? All right. That next... was a fluke, by the by, an absolute <laughs> fluke. But I knew I'd get closer to Lemmy. There you go. Uh, just mass, mass sometimes, Smithy. Uh, Jade Hamilton, come in, mate. You're next in line. Yeah, hey, Smithy. How are you, mate? G'day, Jade. Uh, nice to talk to you this morning. So, question two, we're talking rugby league. All right, second question. Two former Warriors are in the starting lineup for the Bulldogs on Friday night against the Warriors. Fullback Hayes Perham is one of them. Can you name the other? Fightbala uh, Mariner. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yeah, bit of false start there on the bottom bar. Raymond, Faitala, Marina, the lock, Smithy. Wouldn't have got that, I'm afraid. I only have eyes for one team at the moment. So if you're going to get me on the opposition, you're going to get me. Right, question three. 
All right. Question three is a doozy. It's $50 TAB bonus bet. Returning to first grade to face the Bulldogs this Friday, son of former All Blacks utility Rocco Berry and the All Blacks links don't stop there for the club. The New South Wales Cup team features a young kid from the New Zealand rugby family dynasty. Can you name that family? Playing for the for the second team? Yes, for the reserve grade. Uh, it no, is, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> nah, sorry. It is. I uh, well, Yeah, it is tough. <laughs> One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. But Smithy, you might surprise us. I won't. <laughs> I, I simply won't surprise you. I got to have a crack though. Um, so former All Black going to uh, rugby league. Former All Black son going to rugby league. Straight out of school probably. Um, Auckland, uh, I'm going to say former All Black, and this is a ridiculous call, um, I'm going to say he's one of the Brooks, a Brook from the Brook family. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. The answer I was looking for, Kalini going, going. Oh, of course, from the North Auckland going family. Brilliant. Okay, the Northland, uh, North Auckland was back in the day when Sid and Ken and Brian played and lit up the back line in their Cambridge blue jerseys, going way, way back. Oh, that's very interesting to know. Of real interest to you though, Jade, is you've just won a fifty-dollar voucher, and uh, we hope you enjoy it. If you stay on the line, Brian will confirm he's got your details as always, and uh, invest wisely. I hope you turn it into a heap of money. Awesome. Cheers, Smithy. Thanks, mate. Cheers, cheers, Jade. Um, and how good are those damn Chiefs going? Everything's going to Hamilton at the moment. Goodness sake, it's coming up to 11.41 here on SENZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Uh, 11.45 here on SENZ, not far away from handing over to uh, Mark Stafford for his afternoon show. Uh, I got a text in just after the Martin Sneddon interview, actually, and I, I, I'm, I'm going to read it out because I, I think it uh, is a fair point, actually. Um, this is a disturbing conversation around the sky to spark shift. Why can't uh, Sneds, and I assume it was Sneds, just uh, admit they made a mistake. This has uh, been five minutes of waffle about nothing and just highlighting further the New Zealand cricket board is seriously disconnected from its audience. The truth is most New Zealand cricket fans are rugby fans uh, first and they were never going to pay for both so they went to rugby first. The New Zealand cricket board has an air of arrogance that they know best. They, are ver- they very rarely listen to the fans. It's uh, quite sad. So uh, that's a perspective and um, you know uh, we get this in a lot on this uh, station more often than not we read them out but people generally disgruntled and that'll that'll be for a lot of people uh the legacy of uh, david white now as a, a pains to ask martin sneddon about that decision because when you make a massive decision like changing a major sponsor or are you are looking to change um a communications line such as going uh, from uh, sky to spark as such it's never made by a CEO. It's the same when you're a point or, or uh, a coach or even a captain to a large degree. Most of those things go through a board. They're approved and rubber stamped by a board and the CEO becomes the spokesman 
on behalf of that decision. And because uh, he is the CEO, he cops it, um, and or she cops it, and uh, that is just um, the way of the world. Look at Mark Robinson, for instance. Uh, be interesting to know how many of those decisions that he's just fronting up for, as opposed to uh, the board making and asking him to deliver. Uh, that is just part and parcel of the role. So, yeah, it's um, sometimes, and you know, it's interesting. I wouldn't say uh, David White has been the perfect CEO. Um, you know, he's had the odd glitch. He started off um, uh, with a really tough gig, didn't he? When uh, the captaincy was handed from, were taken from Ross Taylor and handed to Brendan McCullum, there was all sorts of intrigue and mystery and rumours about that. He had to deal with that. Um, and uh, of course, uh, you cannot deny, though, during his reign, the record of the New Zealand men's cricket team. It has been absolutely fantastic compared to previous eras. So he's given them every opportunity. Uh, to prepare, develop, uh, and perform um, under his uh, under his guise, under his tenure. So that can never be denied. I mean, that's right there in black and white in front of you. Logan. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. And I think one thing that obviously is kind of of concern to fans, you know, when we talk about the whole spark thing and having access to cricket is, well, we know it is going to TVNZ, but, how seriously are they taking it? How big are they going to go? Well, from what I've seen, is they're actually hiring. Seems like they're in a hiring blitz right now. There's quite. There's been quite a few uh, positions, up, technical positions up, and I know there's been talks of you know taking a lot of those Spark Sport commentators. I can't say who has been uh, contracted or not, but I do believe that a good portion of them are making that switch. I mean, we already know Scotty Stevenson already has that alignment there with TVNZ. So they're taking it pretty seriously. And I like having that, you know, free to air uh, coverage as well. I mean, you see it a lot in Australia that they do have a good portion of sport available on free to air. So even if it's not on TVNZ, on one or two, they've got other platforms. You know, they've got the Duke channel. TVNZ Plus is a great platform uh, if you're into your streaming and that's how you like to consume your content. So I think at least for cricket fans, Smithy, moving forward, the near future should look pretty good. Uh, so you're up on this uh, streaming side of things. Uh, have uh, Sky uh, uh, more equipped in terms of streaming now? And do they not have Prime uh, as their free-to-wear arm? They, they do, and they use that a lot for, I mean, we see it with the Sal's NBL. They'll have a game a week uh, on Sunday on there. They do like to put, you know, other other uh, sports on there from time to time. But Sky Sport, I, so I don't have Sky Satellite. I've, I cut the cord there years and years ago, and I just switched to Sky Sport now, which it has gotten better over time. Um, the app probably works better on your phone or your iPad than it does on a, on a TV. Uh, but... Uh, there's there's plenty to offer, and I mean, for me who watches a lot of North American sport, the partnership uh, with ESPN and having so many uh, different streaming options available there, and not having to pay extra, uh, has been a godsend in terms of trying to save some money, Smithy. So, uh, no, Sky do have some good offerings. It, I can't say it's perfect. I actually thought Spark Sports platform, the way it worked, the UI, everything was probably one of the best. Uh, so I am sad to see that go because while it started off with a hitch, it only got better as it went along. Mm, interesting. Okay. Uh, right. You know, uh, what do I want for a, a CEO uh, of New Zealand cricket? I want the best person for the job quite clearly. Um, but I want a CEO 
who is trying to look forward to where cricket's going to be in 10 years' time. And I'm worried about that. I'm really worried. So I don't know what cricket will look like. I don't even know where test cricket will be. But I don't know where domestic cricket in this country will be either, and club cricket in this country, and school cricket in this country. Without that base, there will be a very poor Black Caps team because the, the talent will just drift away from the game. And already we could hear from Martin Sneddon that he believes that is an issue that needs addressing as well, and it does on a daily basis. Numbers, he says, in women's cricket are fine. Uh, numbers not too bad in uh, men's and boys' cricket. But he knows full well that there has been a drop-off and there are issues to cover. That, to me, is the focus of the CEO. He's got to make sure um, the game is in good shape, not just financially, but numbers and personnel-wise. That, to me, uh, I'm looking for from the CEO. That would be, if I was on the interview panel, I'd be asking that question first. Where do you think cricket will be and where would you like it to be in 10 years? That's the blueprint because... David White lasted 12 years. He might be in the job 10 years. What's his long-term or she, her long-term thoughts? And I'm not saying it has to be a bloke either. Best person for the job. Absolutely best person for the job, male or female, fully endorsed. It's 11.52 here on SENZ.